Let's open again for the third time to Psalm 91. Psalm 91 has become increasingly precious to me over the years as one of the refuge psalms, places where you run when you're afraid. Maybe you struggle with fear like I do. Maybe you don't. Um, If you don't struggle with fear in any form, I'm not sure you're from this planet, Um, but that's okay. All are welcome here. Um, But fear is universal. It just finds different ways of expressing itself in our lives. And um, we find ourselves running to these wonderful psalms that encourage us to draw near to the Lord and to find shelter in Him. Follow with me as I read the psalm. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Every one of us struggles with insecurity, popular or unknown, rich or poor, beautiful or plain, educated or illiterate, married or single, divorced or widowed, with kids or without kids, employed or unemployed, accepted by the in crowd or out of it. Every one of us has insecurities. Even the proud person who thinks he has no securities and presents himself as strong and always together looks down upon insecure people as his way of building up his own sense of security. We all struggle with insecurity. 
So the past two weeks, we've been asking ourselves some questions like, where do I find my deepest security? What is my drug of choice? In other words, how do I numb non-physical pain, the hurts of life? What sin has become my refuge, my hiding place? Where and to what do I run when I'm afraid? What is the ultimate security? What do I idolize? What do I love more than following the Lord who loves me? What do I really believe will satisfy my longing heart? But the writer of this refuge psalm wants us to know that there is only one true safe place, and it is the Lord himself. The tremendous beauty of the refuge psalms is that they show us that we are not alone. Ever since Adam and Eve broke fellowship with God, we have struggled with insecurity and fear. From the beginning, humanity has feared being fully known known by others, and even known by God. But Psalm 91 draws us in. It draws us out of ourselves, out of our insecurities, and into closer fellowship with God. Look at the first two verses again, where we see that God is exalted as our sovereign security There are two descriptive titles that are used for God, Most High and Almighty. Most High refers to God being the strong and the sovereign one, the one who is exalted above all of creation, exalted above all the nations and every human ruler. He's far above all of our little gods, little G gods that we build in our lives, things that we trust in. He's above every threat that we face. He's above all of his enemies. Then there is the Almighty. He is the strong and sovereign one who deserves our submissive faith. He is the one who satisfies and supplies all that we need. He is our shelter, the psalmist says. When we dwell in the shelter of the Most High, when we abide in the shadow of the Almighty, then we rest knowing that we are in a place where the one who knows us the best also loves us the most, and we can trust in him. I will say, verse 2, notice the act of obedience on the part of the writer. I will say, In other words, trust is an act of obedience. Faith is an act of obedience. I'm not sure how often we think of faith that way. We tend to think of faith in subjective, kind of immeasurable contexts. We think of obedience being what we do, 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 or what we don't, don't, don't. And yet, Scripture says that faith is actually something we do. Trust is something we do. We're always trusting in something. We're always trusting in someone. The question is, are we trusting in God? 
That's the challenge for every one of us. And so the psalmist declares this one very simple but profound truth, and that is that we find our security and safety only in the Lord and by following his trustworthy word. Is verse 2 your testimony? Can you say, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust? That was his personal testimony. And then following his personal testimony, the first two verses, then he gives us two sermons, which we looked at, verses 3 through 13, where we learned about the security that belongs to those who trust in the Lord. And this being a messianic psalm as well, finds its fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it is in Christ that we are saved, shielded, and sheltered. It is in Christ that we find that God safeguards us, he secures us, he strengthens us to walk by faith. But there are conditions. There are conditions to these promises. Really, one main condition through the whole psalm. The promises that are revealed here in Psalm 91 are for those who find their security in trusting God and in walking according to his word. So as we grow in our faith, we learn to be increasingly dependent upon the Lord, not increasingly independent, but increasingly dependent. We get tired of our old ways. We surrender our desire to control our lives and the lives of others. We exchange our insecurities and our man-made safe places for the security and rest that is found only in the Lord. And the more we run to the Lord, the closer we become to him the closer our fellowship grows. And it's this reciprocal relationship of fellowship that is now the focus of these last three verses. By reciprocal, I mean that our fellowship with God is a mutual relationship. By God's design, fellowship is dependent upon our trust in the Lord and our obedience to his word. So our big idea this morning is this. God will keep secure the one who trusts and honors him. That's the point of these last three verses. God will keep secure the one who trusts and honors him. And you see conditional language throughout these last three verses that remind us that there are many, many promises in God's word that only actually become ours in experience when we embrace them by faith. They don't just automatically come true in our lives, but they require a response, which is the response of faith. And you'll notice in verse 14, there's a huge shift that God is now the one talking in verse 14. So it goes from the psalmist speaking, and now God's talking. Verse 14, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. There's this huge shift in focus that God is determined. 
He is determined that we know and understand the sovereign security that he promises for us as we walk in faith. There, notice, six times in, in these three verses, God says, I will. Six times you see in these verses, God saying, I will do something. I will deliver him. I will protect him. Verse 15, I will answer him. I will be with him. I will rescue him. Verse 16, I will satisfy him. Six times God says, I will do this. These are promises from God. He is determined that we understand the security that can be ours if we will walk by faith, if we will trust him. This morning, God wants you to understand three conditional promises and how to respond in humble faith. Number one, God will protect those who love him. Verse 14, God will protect those who love him. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him. Why? Because he knows my Name. So there is a mutual relationship here between the psalmist and God. There is fellowship. There is an allegiance. Uh, Steve Lawson says it this way, those whose allegiance is to the Lord will find that his protective allegiance is theirs. In other words, when God is our refuge, there is no cause for us to live in fear. Jesus teaches us this in the Gospel of Luke where he says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. What Jesus is doing is really repeating what the Old Testament teaches about fear. That is, the way to fight fear is with fear. The way you fight fear is with the greatest of all fears, which is the fear of God. And the fear of God is not a cowering kind of fear. The fear of God is a holy reverence, a a, a majestic bowing of our hearts in worship, to God. It's trust. How do we fight fear? We fight fear with fear, the fear of God, which is trust. So when we are afraid, as I often am, where do I run? Do I run to my self-made refuges or refuges, or do I run to him? and say, Lord, increase my fear of you. Increase my love for you. See, recognizing fear can be a huge stimulant to our Christian growth as long as we respond to it by driving us closer to the Lord. The whole point here, then, is that if you know Christ, if you have a relationship with God, 
if you know his name, then nothing can take your life one day before God says so. You are safe in the arms of Jesus. You can rest in that promise. God will protect you if you love him, if you know him, if you're walking by faith. You can have this confidence. Notice the second promise. God will answer believers in their trouble. Verse 15. When he calls to me, again, God is speaking. When he calls to me, when who calls to me? Verse 14. The man who is holding fast to me in love. The woman who is holding fast to me in love. The child who is holding fast to me in love. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. Isn't this an amazing verse? When we call to him, see that the when is the condition. These are conditional promises. When we call to him, what does he do? He answers. He responds. I will be with him in trouble. There's a promise of presence, right? That God will never leave us nor forsake us. I will rescue him and honor him. I think what's so amazing for us is that when we are are overtaken by fear, we lose sight of the nearness of God. We tend to think of God as being far away, distant. And yet the psalmist is saying, when you are afraid, when you are in trouble, recognize this. God says, I will be with him in trouble. I will be with you in trouble. Circle, in, in your Bible. God is not saying, I'll come to you after the trouble is over. I'm not far away watching from a distance. I will be with you in trouble, in your trouble. That's Psalm 23 promise, isn't it? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are what? With me. This is a theme in the book of Psalms, which is a songbook, as I've mentioned, but it's also a book of prayers. Which, by the way, if if sometimes you don't know how to pray, which uh, I often find is the case for myself, I will turn to the book of Psalms and I will pray the Psalms. I will pray these Holy Spirit-inspired prayers. And God so often just brings peace and safety and rest to my heart. Listen to some of them. Psalm 3, verse 4, I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. 4.1, answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness, You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me. Hear my prayer. Psalm 13, 3. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. 
Psalm 27, 7, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Psalm 69, 16. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. Psalm 69, 17. Hide not your face from your servant, for I am in distress. Make haste to Answer me. In Psalm 143, 7. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Now, a simple question to ask yourself is this Who do I call when I am afraid? Now, it's wonderful that God has created us to be interdependent, that is, to need each other. And so we have friends, and we have family, and we have brothers and sisters in Christ that we call when we are afraid. But who should be our primary person that we call? Who should be on every speed dial? It should be the Lord calling out to him. Answer me, Lord. Help me. See, how you answer that question, who do I call when I'm afraid, how you answer that question reveals whether you find your security in the Lord, ultimately, or in someone else. It can reveal to you what your man-made inferior shelters are. Because we all have inferior man-made shelters that we have built. It's where we run when we are afraid. And the plea of the psalmist is the same plea as the Lord Jesus. Bring your burdens, bring your fears, bring everything to the Lord and rest in him. Let him be your refuge. Let him be your hiding place. When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, he gave them what is now called the Lord's Prayer. And it's a model of how to pray. And listen, especially to how it ends. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's that sense of surrender. Want God to be lifted up and glorified. Give us this day our daily bread. That's that dependence. In other words, Jesus says we should depend on God for our daily bread. not just our bread 10 years from now. Had a Bible college professor who used to challenge us. Jehovah Jireh is one of the names of God in the Old Testament. The Lord will provide. He said, when you find yourself in a tight spot, who do you trust? Who do you run to? Jehovah Jireh or Jehovah Visa? (laughs) 
Who, who do we trust in to provide for us? I mean, it does, doesn't mean that we never borrow money. That's not the point. The point is, who do we run to first? And so many Christians just really don't have a reason to run to Jehovah Jireh anymore. Because there's multiple Jehovah uh, visas in the wallet or in the bank or in the IRA or in the 401k why do I have to trust God for my daily bread I, I think I can the uh, future looks pretty decent I think I'm secure we're never really secure if our trust is in something that this world can provide because all of that can be taken away from you in an instant your health, gone. Your money, gone. Relationships, gone. Everything that we love to find our security in can just disappear in the blink of an eye. Who then do we trust? Prayer goes on, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. There's a sense in which the application of verse 13 here from Matthew 6 is that we are saying, Lord, protect me from myself. Protect me from my own heart. Protect me from the remnants of unbelief that are still showing up in my life. Protect me from from all of these different shelters that I've built for myself. Help me to trust in you. And the promise of this psalm, the promise of so many psalms, is that God answers believers when we call out to him for deliverance and protection. Does that mean that we will be immune to suffering in this world? No way. But what it does mean is that we have secured for us by God ultimate deliverance ultimate deliverance if death takes us then deliverance comes through the resurrection and if God can accomplish that can he not accomplish any other deliverance in our life thirdly God will satisfy those who trust in him. Verse 16, with long life, I will, there it is again, the sixth time, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Interesting, um, that that language at the end there, I will satisfy him, because the the meaning of almighty in verse 1 
that, that name is El Shaddai. It means the mighty one who satisfies. And so the bookends on this psalm are the same. God is the ultimate satisfier. Everything you look to in this life to satisfy the longings of your heart will fail you. They will be inferior to the one who can satisfy. So we ask ourselves questions like, what do I think I need in order to be satisfied? What do I need in order to be content? I mean, right now, in your mind, answer this question. I would be fully satisfied, happy, and content if. What do you put in that blank? I would be fully satisfied, happy, and content if blank. Whatever you put in that blank is your ultimate security. If you put anything other than God into that blank, then you are an idolater, you are a false worshiper, and the bad news is that every person in this room, including the one who is preaching to you, is an idolater. We are guilty of worshiping and loving things more than the Lord our God. Every time we sin, that's what is going on. We are saying, God, you don't satisfy me. I long for something more than you can give me. We seek after other gods, other securities, like our first parents. We, we hide from God. We're ashamed. And so instead of bringing our shame to the Lord, we naturally hide from him and hide from others, failing to see that the one who knows us best loves us most and is always waiting with open arms to receive us. So where do you hide? What are your hiding places? We run to our security. We run to our self-made places of peace and rest. But the good news is that Jesus died and rose again to deliver idolaters like us and to turn us into wholehearted worshipers of God. Where we grow each and every day by the power of the Holy Spirit in learning what it means to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love my neighbor as I already love myself. When we turn to Jesus... Fellowship with God is restored. We are made new. And we begin this new life of learning to turn from our idols to the living God. This was the testimony 
of the believers in Thessalonica. It says in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians, when they heard the gospel, they turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. And now through the psalmist, God invites us to turn to him, to run to him. And what is his promise? With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That's God's ultimate satisfaction. And these are promises for those who have been born of God, born again by the Holy Spirit of God, those who are alive unto God by virtue of the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts through the gospel we find our security not in the here and now, but in eternity, and in the one who is sovereign over eternity. Remember that Psalm 91 is not only a refuge psalm, but it is a messianic psalm. It finds its fulfillment in the work of the Messiah. It finds its fulfillment in the work of of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Turn with me to First Peter. I love the the consistency of of Scripture, and the longer I know the Lord, and the longer I'm privileged to study it and preach it to you, the more amazed I am by the connections that are found in this book. And here's one in 1 Peter 1. Because the psalmist connects our insecurities and our fears. He connects them, the solution, back to God and his promises as our refuge, as the one who safeguards us And now, Peter, writing to a bunch of suffering Christians who are scattered all over the place, he does exactly the same thing. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. What he's doing, he's turning the eyes of these suffering believers away from their pain, away from their hurt, away from the places of refuge they are tempted to turn, and, and laying before their eyes this incredible inheritance that belongs to us, that's kept in heaven for us who by God's power, verse 5, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. In what? In what do I rejoice? I rejoice that I have this security in Christ reserved for me in heaven, not on this earth. In that I rejoice. And Peter says, that's how you are going to have power and strength to endure suffering. 
not by looking to some earthly remedy for your suffering, though there are plenty that God provides for us for some temporary relief, but we should be looking ultimately to the ultimate relief, the ultimate remedy. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not know, do not now see him. You believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Peter's answer for our insecurities in times of trial is to look to the ultimate security in Christ, in heaven, in eternity. In his daily devotional, Morning and Evening, Charles Spurgeon wrote these beautiful words. Here is a precious truth for you, believer. You may be poor or suffering or unknown, but for your encouragement, take a moment to review your calling and the consequences that flow from it. As surely as you are God's child today, so surely will all your trials soon come to an end, and you shall be rich to an extent that is hard to imagine. Wait a while, and your weary head will wear the crown of glory, and the worker's hand shall grasp the palm branch of victory. Do not bemoan your troubles, but rather rejoice that before long you will be where no longer shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. The chariots of fire are at your door, and it will take only a moment to transport you to the glorified. The everlasting song is almost on your lips. The portals of heaven stand open for you. Do not think that you can fail to enter your rest. If he has called you, nothing can divide you from his love. Distress cannot sever the bond. The fire of persecution cannot burn the link. The hammer of hell cannot break the chain. You are secure. That voice which called you at first shall call you yet again from earth to heaven from death's dark gloom to immortality's unuttered splendors. Rest assured, the heart of him who has justified you beats with infinite love toward you. You will soon be glorified where your portion is. You are only waiting here to be made ready for the inheritance. And with that done, the wings of angels shall carry you far away to the mount of peace and joy and blessedness where far from a world of grief and sin, with God, 
eternally shut in. You shall rest forever and ever. This is the security that belongs to know those who know the Lord through faith in Jesus Christ. Take heart, take courage. That nothing in this world, nothing you ever go through, can ever separate you from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you are here today and you do not know the Lord Jesus and and a lot of this just does not make sense to you, please come and talk to one of us after the service. We would love to introduce you to the one who knows you best and yet loves you the most. Father, we thank you for your grace, your mercy toward us in Christ Jesus. Forgive us, Father, for how often we build shelters of our own, places to hide that are inferior, that are like a broken down shack with holes in the roof on a day of great thunderstorms. They provide no shelter, only imaginary. Lord, we thank you for these three Sundays that we've spent in Psalm 91. I know how you've used it to grow my faith. And I pray that this will become one of those anchor passages of Scripture for many in this congregation, a place to run to, to hide, to take shelter, to hide in the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, help us to grow in our trust of you. Help us to repent of those inferior little gods that we run to for safety. Help us to fear you above all things, that we may rest in the security that belongs to us because of Jesus Christ and his great work. Take your word and minister it deeply into our hearts, into the very fabric of our being, that we will become dependent, faith-filled servants of the Most High God. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.